Bookie's Bookstore is an underwriter of WXAV 88.3 FM. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue, Bookie's inventory includes new and used books. Bookie's also places orders and pre-orders for books not currently in stock. For more information, please visit their website at bookiesbookstores.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram by searching Bookies Chicago. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hi, this is Peter Creighton from WXAV 88.3 FM Chicago, your escape from Ordinary Radio. And I'm really excited to launch this brand new podcast series where we're going to focus on specific departments here at St. Xavier University. We're going to go over what they do, how they interact with the community, and if you're interested in the program, how you could get involved with it. And to kick off this new podcast series, we're welcoming some members from St. Xavier University's Communication Sciences and Disorder Program. And we have three students that are currently involved in the program, and we're going to talk a little bit about their experiences here at St. Xavier University. First, let me uh, welcome Natalie. Natalie, how are you today? Good, how are you? Doing well. We also have Julia. Hello. And last but not least, we have Maddie. Hi. How's everything going, ladies? Good? Good, good. How did you guys decide, how did you discover this major, and what made you want to become a major in communication sciences and disorder? I mean, for me, I come from a long line of school workers, and I was introduced by my mom to the SLP she worked with at her school. And she actually described the field as the study of everything from the lungs up. So everything that goes into uh, verbal communication, like from the lungs to the vocal folds to the mouth, but also including the brain and its structures and how we form language. Um, and so it can also incorporate like both verbal and nonverbal language, like sign or mm-hmm. um, using alternative communication devices. But I, yeah, I discovered it through my mom and I was like, oh, I can do that. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So I actually found the field in a little bit of a different way. Um, I came into college not I wasn't undecided. I I started out as a psychology major, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that. Um, I knew I didn't want to go to med school, but I knew that I wanted to have a job that would um, be something that was not a teacher, essentially. Um, My my mom's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, and I kind of thought that that was the path I was going to go. Um, but wanted to find something different. I just wanted something that was a little bit more specific, something that wasn't... um, that wasn't teaching. I, I knew I didn't want to be in a classroom. So um, I'd actually had a girl in high school tell me about speech pathology. She um, ended up coming here as well. She just had kind of mentioned it in passing. I had no idea what she was talking about. And when I got here, um, I took a few psychology classes, still had that I don't want to go to med school mentality and um, started to look around my sophomore year to change majors but wasn't sure what I was going to do yet and um, had actually had, I was an athlete here. um, So I had a a girl that I had known who was on the basketball team who was two years older than me. She was in the 
the CSDI program, and she um, was telling me about it and what it was like, how she had to go to grad school, different things about it. And again, like, still didn't know anything, but I was like, that sounds like something that I could handle. It sounds like some like working in a school, but it, working with kids is like the initial kind of exposure I had to it. That's all I thought it was. And um, I was like, I could do that. I think at the time when I switched, I, I didn't know what it all entailed, but I knew that the direction of it was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, for me, well, I've always been a people person. I always knew that I wanted to work with people and help. Um, and there were seeds planted in my life for like that led me to speech looking back. Um, the first one was my grandma had Parkinson's disease and she had a home health person come I think they were OT I don't remember I was really small but that was my first exposure to therapy um and then in high school I was a peer tutor they call them and you're basically paired up with um special needs kids and you help them during lunchtime and gym time and that was my first real exposure to disability and I was like there's something here that I really love and I was exploring different fields that would work with people with disabilities. And I found out about speech and I fell in love with it. And yeah, now I'm here. I love like the variety of stories that we have here. We have people influenced by family members, teammates on athletes and things like that. And it's just, it's really beautiful how each of you kind of found your path and everything. You mentioned um, CSD primarily being in schools and that. Is there kind of like an age bracket that primarily you work with? No. So speech takes over from birth to geriatric hospice, like till death. So life to death. So life to mm -hmm. death. Okay. I guess when I when I said that, I'm kind of like the farther that I've gotten into it, initially, I think most of us can agree that like your initial exposure was really oh, how, yeah. a, how an SLP works in a school. Um, that's like what you first see it's what you first hear of it's like when you look it up on the internet that's what first comes up mm -hmm. but the farther that you go into it you really start to see um you know you get into the geriatric patients mm -hmm. working with older people you even get into you know it's it's a big part of stroke recovery and which can happen to people at a, a very young age I mean you don't have to be old to have a stroke so you, it's definitely a wide range of people that you work with as well as you're not only a lot of people um, when you tell them what, what you're going into, they're like, oh, you'll, you're going to be a speech teacher. Um, which for some people, yeah, that is true. You're going to go work at a school. You're going to be teaching children speech sounds, but it's way more than that. Yeah. You're, you're teaching them social communication and you're teaching them how to do grammar and, and things like that. Just really getting into like all different parts of language, language. It's so much more vast <laughs> than people realize, <laughs> I feel like. So um, but yeah, when you add the medical side of it, it really becomes this field that like is just so expansive. Like you, it's it's really endless the, the amount of things that you can do with it. And that's something that I think that a lot of people, the farther you, that you get into it, it just becomes a positive. The, the more you learn about it, the more you understand what you can actually do with it. So yeah, that's what made speech so attractive to me is I'm a person who gets bored very easily. I get bored so easily. And um, you can jump around in this field and work with any population. I thought I wanted to be a classroom teacher. And I can't imagine myself being all day in one classroom. Oh. 
But when you're a speech pathologist, even in a school, you're jumping around. You have a session for 30 minutes with a kid, you get a little break, and then you jump. So if you have like problems staying in one spot, you need to move your body, you can't see yourself in one setting for forever, I think speech is perfect for you. That's really interesting. <clears throat> because it, the way the three of you are describing it is there's the physical aspect of teaching people how to make sounds again and how to communicate again. But then there's that almost neuroscience aspect where you're working with the brain and you're mm -hmm. reteaching it. On the flip side, you're always moving, you're always engaging, and you're using all the different skill sets that you've grown and developed. So it sounds like it's a pretty extensive major that you're all uh, working in. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of maybe talk a little bit about the program and like classes that you take on a regular basis? Because everyone here is actually working on their master's program, correct? Yes. So, uh, Julia, do you have to, you know, can you be a speech path person and just get a bachelor's degree or do you need to immediately go and get a master's degree? To be a full-fledged SLP, you do need a master's. There are SLPAs, so they are people who just have um, an undergrad degree in speech pathology or communication sciences disorders, and they'll kind of work with SLPs. Um, like the SLP will plan a session, create goals, and then the SLPA might implement it. But we are all in it. Um, Natalie and I are second year uh, grad students um, and Maddie's in her first year. So we're all here to get our degree. Mm -hmm. um, and neuro <laughs> neuroscience does play a big, big part in it. Um, Virtually all of our classes delve into the parts of the brain associated with different functions of speech and language in one way or another. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize or take for granted um, is it's it all comes back to the brain. So, yeah, I think people forget the pathology part in our major speech mm -hmm. pathology. It's not just teaching. Yeah. I also as far as classes go, um, you take a a multitude of classes that cover a lot of different things because communication communication is so um, large, for lack of a better word. <laughs> but there's so many different facets that you don't even really think about that we really have to delve into extensively because we that's what we do is like we we need to be knowledgeable about all different forms of communication. It's not just about talking or like speaking. It's it's about using devices and sign language and all different kinds of things. But you also get into um, like phonetics, which is I feel like something most people haven't heard since second grade. But, um, you know, you you learn all different kinds of things about like the way that the words sound and you learn about dialects and all different kinds of things. So it really gets nitty gritty. Yeah, you get you get into the really like the very smallest parts of language and you zoom out, you see it as like a, as a person, like how it looks in real life, and then zoom back in to figure out how you can best help people with certain mm -hmm. things. So. so I would say classes in undergrad, they start with like an intro class to what communication disorders is. And then you get like a language disorders class and then um, phonetics. So you have to learn the IPA alphabet and learn mm -hmm. how to write and read in phonetics, which is cool. It's like a secret language that we use. Um, and then, yeah, those are like the basics. You probably learn more about pediatrics in undergrad. 
And then when you get into grad school, it's very, you get an introduction in undergrad to neuro, but in grad school, it's very neuro intensive, I feel like. You also mm -hmm. um, take a speech sound Yeah, class, thanks, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> which is um, probably something that Natalie was trying to block out mentally because that was pretty tough class. It's very science-based. Um, oh, speech science. You do a lab. Yes, yeah, speech science is what yes. I meant. Um, you do a lab with it. You're, you're doing speech samples, and that's like another thing. You just don't really think that's something that you're going to be covering when you go into this major at first, but it's while it's difficult, it's so, so interesting. Yeah. Um, I know when I took that class, I, I w it was like the heart of COVID. I, I lived on campus, so I was stuck in my dorm room for we what were felt in like that months. together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what felt like months. But um, it was really cool because you'd, you'd, I would lose my voice like at a game or something and then come home and I'd have to do speech samples. And my teacher would be like, what, like who took the speech sample? Because he could, it's so funny because I couldn't tell that my voice sounded raspy just because I was so new to it. And he was obviously like so knowledgeable about it. He was like, your speech sample sounds crazy. So mm -hmm. it just it's kind of funny. Like once you really get into it, the, the amount of knowledge that you know about the way mm -hmm. that voice communication, speech, like everything works. It's really it's really interesting. Something else I wanted to add is we kind of talked about how broad the field is and you know, people will be like, oh, you so you teach kids to say their R's. And it's like, well, yes, but there's also a million other things. And we have what's interesting is that every person you meet in this program has a different interest or specialization that they want to focus on. And something really cool about um, the program is we get to take classes that specialize in these things. So, for example, over the summer, we had our AAC course, which yeah. um, is alternative and augmentative, and augmentative communication, communication <laughs> which was a really really fascinating course about um people who are primarily um non-vocal non-verbal who use devices to speak or we have a voice class which we can learn about just the voice just how you know we create sound um there was another one i was thinking of counseling counseling yeah we have a counseling class because that's another aspect you don't think about is it's really hard like for people with these types of disorders or their families and their care caretakers to fully understand it. So we take a counseling course to learn how to help these people through this process. Motor speech. Oh, motor speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Um, so Deanna. that one's cool because we think that... So the thing with motor speech disorders is that there's a disconnect somewhere in the neuron... The neural pathway. The neural pathway <laughs> that disrupts the coordination to um, articulate so it's not as simple as oh put your tongue here it's not that simple you kind of have to work around that um, disruption in that neural pathway so it's really interesting it yeah. sounds really interesting it sounds like it's really vast the different parts of the program it almost sounds like you can find your own like little niche to work in where yes. it's like i want to work with autistic children becoming oh, yeah. nonverbal to verbal or people recovering from strokes or things like that mm -hmm. Now, I'd kind of like to go around real quick and just kind of ask each of you, what was the biggest thing that surprised you about this major when you first became uh, uh, a part of it? Natalie, your hand immediately went up, oh, so I take it you want to go my first. my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> I hate math. I went into this thinking, oh, speech pathology, there's no math. There is a ton of math and research methods. You have to know how to read like a bell curve. You have to know how to take and average your data it gets really nitty-gritty and 
don't go into this thinking you're not going to do any math because you will do a ton of math. Okay, but it's doable. It's, it's doable, doable. Really but it's not my math, favorite bro. part. It's not my favorite part about speech pathology, but... See, <laughs> that's why I went with the other communication major here at St. Savior, yeah. because there's no math in that. No, there's so... And then research gets so specific, and if you're interested in research, you're going to have to do a lot of math. It is, it is important, though, because it this is. field is relatively new mm-hmm. in in comparison to a lot of you know health fields so there is a lot of research that still needs to be done and we take research really seriously when we're implementing practices and such so but it is it yeah you have to have a passion for it you have to have a passion yeah <laughs> well i love it because it sounds like julia you're into the research <laughs> No, well, can I brag about Julia real it quick? Depends. Please, please. Julia is so smart, and in research methods, yeah. I was always lost, and she always had something. She's so articulate, and she always just knew all the answers. She's so good at math, at um, <laughs> research, not math, <laughs> not but. math, research. But it's just cool to see where everyone's strengths lie. Like I feel like I'm really good at neuro. That's like my thing. I love mm. neuro. And I feel like Julia can say the same that she's. That's not her favorite <laughs> no. thing. So that's cool. That like. You don't have to be a master of everything mm-hmm. in speech. You can have your own thing. It's also like kind of with that, it's a very collaborative field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're always consistently working with other SLPs. Even if you're in a school and you're the only SLP in that school, you're still like working with different colleagues throughout. Um, in a hospital, you're working with other colleagues. Um, my sister's a nurse and she works on... Um, a med surge floor and tells me all the time about how she loves her her SLPs that come in and just kind of like tells me about what they do and it's just nice to hear from like someone else that doesn't do the job that doesn't even like understand fully what they do but still to like have appreciation for them it's nice to know like what kind of people you're working with that you're never going to be just like solo on mm-hmm. on any one thing really you're always going to have somebody to refer to you're always going to have people to work with and like within our cohort I think that that's a really nice thing in undergrad it's a little bit more competitive I think mm-hmm. but you still build that there's definitely still that um you know togetherness where everybody's confused about one thing while like one person gets it like maybe spread your spread the wealth like you know kind of spread the knowledge around but like once you get into grad school once you make it into a, a master's program I mean that really goes away I think that it's it's like a group effort all the time like these are your colleagues that's always what our um, professors tell us like you're not competing for anything anymore you're not competing for a spot in grad school you're you guys are like in this together everybody wants to graduate we all want to get through this like again like it's such an under-researched field it there's such a need for people to be in this field it's got like a really high job yield as well yeah. oh. <laughs> which is great and so it's just it's it's all positive mm-hmm. things as far as like togetherness, community. You're really like you have a good, um, you know, set of people around you. I kind of want to touch on the competitiveness part because I know some people listening to this that are looking into speech might be scared away from competition, especially in undergrad. It's really intense. I wouldn't let that steer you away because your only competition is you. Mm-hmm. Um I think helping out your classmates, building that camaraderie isn't going to push you back. It can only move you forward, in my opinion. I think yeah, I, I went to undergrad with Maddie, and I feel like we got really lucky with our undergrad cohort. We are very supportive. It wasn't that stereotypical type of competitive cutthroat program that you usually hear about. 
So if you're looking for something that's going to support you and find I had a really good experience here at St. Xavier. I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. But I feel don't go in with that attitude of what the uh, what the next person is doing or how the next person is doing better than you. I feel like as long as you do your best and you are passionate about speech, there's a place for you in speech. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um I again like she said went to St. Xavier for undergrad and I Never. I, I didn't even really like understand that competition was like a part of undergrad. Um, mm-hmm. Mind you, I was like an athlete for a lot of it. So my mind was like literally in a billion places at once. It felt like during undergrad. So um, I, you know, would show up to class. I would I would, um, you know, give my input where I thought I could. I would do my assignments like I was just getting through grad school or through undergrad like because that's what I was supposed to do. I'm like, I want to finish in four years. That's my only goal. I really don't care. Like, everybody come with me kind of thing. You know, yeah. I really, I'm not, I'm not. I think it's kind of the culture that your cohort makes it. Yeah, no, totally yeah, so agree. So I because, think we had a good group of people. Yeah, and like since being in grad school, telling people that I went here, um, I, I have a lot of friends now that went to other schools and they're like, oh, well, my undergrad like cohort was crazy and nobody, you know, mm-hmm. I had, I needed help with like a homework assignment and nobody would answer me. And it's just, it's definitely different at other, other places. You're not going to find somewhere like St. Xavier because a small school, I mean, I've only ever experienced a small school, but a small school allows for a lot different, I guess, like camaraderie. Yeah. And so. I feel like you have more of a relationship with your professors and they just make a very supportive environment. I had a really positive experience here in undergrad and that's why I came here for graduate school. I just felt very supported and I didn't feel that cutthroat competition that you hear so much about. You hear so many horror stories Mm -hmm. and I don't want people to be steered away from the field because of that. I feel like, like I said earlier, if you are passionate about speech and you got the brains for it, there's a, there's a spot for you. And- I love it because you guys anticipated what my next question was mm-hmm. going to be. But would you say the benefits of coming here to St. Xavier was the fact that it was smaller class sizes, being able to develop that personal relationship with your professors, um, even with your fellow students and everything, mm-hmm. you felt supported, you felt that you learned. And would you say you got more hands-on experience then because of that? I would say that there, I mean, I never went to a big school, so Mm -hmm. I can't compare it to anything else. But I think that for the type of person that I am, the type of student that I am, it was nothing but positives coming here. Mm -hmm. The environment that the program created, um, teachers were always available. Like you knew who your classmates were. You weren't sitting in a giant lecture full of people. I mean, if you, it's like, you know, you might not have known every single person in your class personally, but you knew you know, if you saw them, you knew who they were. And it was kind of like this thing where, oh, we're working on a group project. Like, I know who my, the person I'm going to be working with is. You have like a little bit of relationship with pretty much every single person that's in it. So it was it, it was like more comfortable, I guess I would mm-hmm. say. I would say what's really cool about St. Xavier's undergrad is that they throw you into clinical experience pretty early. Your senior year, you have an opportunity to do clinical practicum and it starts out with observations and then in the spring you get one client and so I came into grad school with 50 hours of therapy that's unheard of for most people a lot of my classmates (laughs) didn't have any therapy experience so I think that's an awesome advantage to come to St. X or a program that has um, 
an opportunity for you to do therapy in undergrad because a lot of graduate students, when they got to the program, they were panicking because they felt lost. They didn't know where to start with therapy. They didn't know what therapy really looked like. They just were in class reading textbooks. Um, but that hands-on experience you really get here at St. Ed's. I guess my experience is a little different because I went somewhere else for mm -hmm. undergrad. I went to Augustana College. But one thing I wanted to touch on is I know so many people from my undergrad who are maybe like a year younger than me who have reached out to me and they're like, I am so stressed for grad school, especially in the application process. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so scared that I'm not going to get in anywhere. Like, this is so stressful. And it is. It's kind of like one of the I mean, Natalie and I were just talking about how that's like one of the most stressful parts. It's so <laughs> just, stressful. Yeah. yeah. I, I applied to 12 schools. Oh, wow. <laughs> I applied to two because I had about $200 in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I applied to nine. So um, grad school applications. <laughs> I did not have money. I was like on a hope and a prayer trying to get into grad school. That's literally the only reason why I applied to as many places as I did. But it was it was tough. For sure. It's a long, long process, <laughs> but it, it's so worth it. Like once you get that first acceptance letter, oh, oh my God, my it's gosh. so worth it. When like, you get your first acceptance, you feel like finally you can breathe. Yeah. Um, but something they always, and it sounds so corny, but I hear everywhere on Instagram here at school, remember your why, why you're here, why you're working so hard. I feel yeah. like I always thought back to that person that was like, just so stressed. Um, I actually took a gap year. So mm. I was working as a substitute teacher and doing my applications at the same time. So all my sub money was going to that, honestly. <laughs> but um, I think about like that person just sitting in my room at my computer, um, writing my personal statements. And I really um, put everything out there. I just was so honest about my struggles through grad school, about how Things had gone for me. It wasn't an easy road. Um, I had s just like a lot of things going on with COVID and and being like playing a sport and just there was there's just so much. So I feel like I have so much appreciation for Saint Xavier because I feel like when I wrote my personal statement, I feel like they read it. I feel like they cared. Mm -hmm. I feel like they wanted to understand like why my transcript looked the way that it did, why my GPA looked the way that it did. And um, that's another thing that I think is just so positive about this program. Yeah. Like they really, it's like, they take it down to the person. You're not just a, you're not just another. You're applicant. not a number. Yeah. 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 So. And what I love about Maddie's story and about my story is that we didn't take a traditional route. And I feel like some people are, feel so pressured to graduate at the same time as all their friends. And I, t I went to community college. It took me three years to finish there. So I graduated college in five years. Maddie took a gap year. So I think your journey is your journey. Don't really focus on what other people are doing. And if you get a bad grade in something, as long as it's not like a core class in the major, don't freak out. I see so many people freaking out because they got a C in a math class. Obviously get good grades, but don't beat yourself up over yeah tiny mistakes and even if you do make a mistake like they're it's fixable okay. mistakes you know, are brush fixable. it off you can yeah. retake it at the end of the day like i applied to 12 schools because i didn't think i was gonna get into any which i don't know why i was like whatever you're so um, smart and i got into half of them so at the end of the day like the point is don't be discouraged mm -hmm. like there is a place for you in this field because it's a really important field and people don't realize how important and needed it is. 
and you'll find your way. Well, I mean, I hate to do this, but um, I only have one final question for you, ladies, and I want to go around the table and, and have each of you answer it and everything. Mm -hmm. And that is, at some point, someone's going to be listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. and they may be interested in this major. But that first step, as you guys have mentioned, that's the scariest one to do. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to a person who's thinking about going into this major and Natalie, yeah. I'm going to start with you. I would say in mind the commitment that this is because you can't do much with an undergraduate degree in communication sciences and disorders. You have to get a master's to be a speech pathologist. You can be an SLPA with um, a community college degree, but it's a lot harder to go that route. So I would not to discourage anyone, but to be prepared for that commitment. It is a six year commitment. So you're not going to have a life. Your friends are going to graduate their four-year college. They're going to start their jobs making 90K a year, 100K a year, <laughs> straight out of business school, buying the cars. You're going to be maybe living at home with your parents, driving an old car, yep. not working, living off of ramen noodles. It's a, it's a sacrifice. So just remember that sacrifice. Um, but but also, it's really worth it in the it's end. So there's a lot. There's I, a lot that makes it really worth yes. it. Though. The time that you get back, it's, it, you do like... It pays yeah. dividends. And not even the money. Like, I had a placement out of school, and right now I have all stroke clients. I am so happy when I come out of therapy. I feel like my cup is full after mm -hmm. being with my clients. It just makes my whole life. Like, with being with the little babies, with the older people, it just gives you so much perspective in life. It keeps you grounded. Um, I feel like if this is what you're meant to do, you're going to get through it. Oh, I wanted to say something about grad school. Don't be discouraged if you get denied. I feel like a lot of it, there's a lot of overqualified students applying to really small programs. At some point, it turns into a lottery system. Mm -hmm. So you getting denied doesn't speak about you. If you look at your transcript and you have straight A's and you have experience, you getting denied from a grad school doesn't define you. I feel like just try again. If this is really what you want, you're going to make it. Yeah, don't stray away from a small school either. If it's accredited, oh, yeah. apply. I mean... Like, like here, a lot of people I know, they went to big schools for undergrad and decided to take a chance on here. They had no idea what it was about. Oh, and yeah. they like it. So, so I will I. say the same yeah. thing. Everything is regulated by ASHA. All the classes are regulated by ASHA. So any education that you get anywhere that's accredited, it's the same thing. So this school, this medical school that has a speech path program that's charging you 120K a year is the same as St. Xavier that your degree is going to cost half that. So remember that. Yeah. And that's all I have to say, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and what is ASHA, Natalie? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What does this stand for? American Speech and, Speech and Hearing, Hearing Association. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that by heart. Okay. I think I'm done. <laughs> Julia picking up the spare right there. Thank you very much. Okay. What advice would I give? So there's a couple things you need to know. Like Natalie said, it is a big commitment. Um, and... I personally and we all personally find it easy to have that passion for it because mm -hmm. I think we all came into this field because it's a helping field and it's so, so rewarding to work with these clients. It's it's good to be a people person. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good to want to enjoy, you know, talking with people, like being a welcoming presence. Um and it's a lot of work. Like I'm I'm not gonna lie, it is, but it's 
the reason it's a lot of work is because it's it's important to put that passion and that time into it um because we want people in this field who are super super passionate and committed and love what they do and love the people they work with um and that's why we like it and that's why we want to pursue it for our careers um but also you know like we've been saying don't be discouraged by things you see online you know or people talking about this field like oh it's so hard to get into grad school oh it's so hard to like focus on all these classes because it's so doable like <laughs> yeah. I I was never like a, I was never a great student growing up and then as soon as I got into this major in college I was like whipped into shape yes, and it was like I feel like passion student boot camp like. passion takes you so far I feel like you have to be passionate about this yes. because it is hard work if you're not passionate about this field you're gonna be grinding and then you're gonna be like for what for yeah. me what got me through was the passion that I have for this and if I feel like if my high school teachers saw me in a master's program they'd be like who what <laughs> who did that so yeah you don't if you're passionate about this it will it will get you through. <laughs> and there is, and like we said, there's a there's a niche for everyone. Like mm -hmm. if you like working with kids, if you like working with adults, if you like working with people with intellectual disabilities, if you like working with swallowing, swallowing's the class I oh forgot about. Gosh. Yes, swallowing. Oh, that was, we didn't talk about swallowing. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we also work with people who, with uh, dysphagia who yeah. you know can't swallow properly. Um, it's something I did not expect <laughs> very much coming into this field, but. There's always something for you. If you want to work in a hospital, if you want to work in a school, like, and the other great thing is you can change your career path at any time in your career, because after getting this degree, you are qualified for all of it. Like, it's good to get continuing education, but there's so many options out there for you. If you get bored in a certain part of the field, guess what? You can change it. It's like, there's so many options. Also, like we said, job retention is very good because you will get a needed. job yes. i am five months out from graduation i have like about three people reaching out to me a yeah. day wow. for a job yeah it's crazy they even had like people yeah. reaching out to sxu saying one of your students graduating like we yes. were trying to hire so and i also want to say for my latinx community people that or just bilingual people in general there's so much opportunity for you i have so much opportunity just because i speak fluent spanish mm -hmm. so and there's a lot of money there <laughs> so if you are um, a bilingual person or a trilingual or whatever there's a lot of opportunity for you mm -hmm. i would say Awesome. And we have to diversify the field. Like what's it's like 90% of it's white women yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we got to get more people in here. It's so important. Mm -hmm. My word of advice would be um, it only takes one. Um, it literally only takes one school to believe in you mm -hmm. um, to get into grad school, to start your journey, to be an SLP. Again, it's so worth it. Like Natalie was saying, it's hard work, but it's so worth it. Um, once you get out, getting a job, all of that. It's nice to have that job security, obviously, but it's very fulfilling work. And my other word of advice would be if you are not type A, you 100% can still do this oh job. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a type <laughs> B person to my core. Same. We're all type B, like super <laughs> chill, go with the flow. I, I am, I'm very type B and I remember being an undergrad and a lot of the teachers were type A just because they're teachers and that just kind of comes with the territory a little bit um, as, as a professor and they were like there's so many type A people in this in this field it's all type A type A type A everywhere and I just was like what am I type A like is that a bad 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and that doesn't do mean that doesn't mean that you're not passionate. You just don't freak out over yeah. little things. So you can be um type B and productive and still, you know, get everything done that you need to and be a very successful SLP in in today's mm-hmm. world. It's it's so possible, it's so doable. So I think that that's a big stigma around it that people try to it's only type A and you should no. you should be a certain type of person and this but it's it's so um it's so vast that it, there's so many different pi- types of people that can do it. You don't just have to be one thing, you don't just have to be a certain way in school. Yes, you have to get good grades, but if you have the will to get good grades, like just to do the work even if it doesn't come naturally to you, you can succeed in this field. It's all about your passion, like Natalie was saying, it's it's all about your drive to get to where you're going. It, and honestly, to me, your journey doesn't matter as much as like once you get to your your end goal. That's all that matters. Yeah. So basically, you can be who you are, and there's a place for you in speech. I feel like sometimes for me, being where, my background, like the first thing, I'm very type B, go with the flow. So it's really hard when you're in a cohort of people who are a lot of them are type A, you feel like you don't fit in or that you're not working hard enough. Yeah, that's because the you're thing. a chill person. Yeah, you feel like you're not working as hard as everybody but because guess what? you're not you're not freaking out about some yeah. test, but you're still doing just as much. You're just not. But you know, I'm here with them. Space. I'm here with them. And also, um, just because you look different, I mean, I look different. Like I'm not I have a different experience. Um, I don't want that to discourage anyone. There's a space for you and we need you. And there's so much need that we need all different types of personalities and backgrounds and different types of people. I also think, sorry, just really quickly, (laughs) but the time commitment that speech pathology takes or um, sorry, speech language pathology takes um, in undergrad and graduate school. um, Just wanted to touch on this because I do have a different experience in these two being an athlete. You can be an athlete and do both. Again, like it's all about drive. You can take the t- you can work that forty hour week, um, in quotes, forty hours to be an athlete as well as being a full time student. Mm-hmm. It can be done. Um, so, you know, if you are, if you are like going into college and you're trying to be a student athlete, you don't have to cross this field off of your list because you think it's too much time commitment. Like, Again, like if you yeah. want it, you you just have to go get it. Yeah. Well, you had your um, softball. I had two, three jobs at a time and I'm still here. It's all about if you're willing to do it. If this is your dream, if you know this is what you're meant to do, don't let anything stop you. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it's so true because we're all standing here right now. Mm-hmm. And like also, I just wanted to add on like with the type B thing, like I was not a math person. I was not a science person. I was not anything like that growing up. I was an art and music kid. Like, I thought I was going to go to music school or art school or something like that. And I realized that those skills and talents that I have can be applied so well to this field because it's all about flexible thinking, Mm -hmm. coming up with new ideas, you know, planning for things and like putting passion into it, you know, especially like when I work with kids, like I love setting up for my sessions and thinking of and problem solving and thinking of new ways to approach things because every client is so different. It's like, if you are not a science person, that's okay. Yes, you're going to have to do science stuff, but yes. <laughs> but you can <laughs> but use so your fun. skills. Your skills, <laughs> yeah, this, the skills that you may 
not think won't ca- the skills you think won't come in handy they will yeah they are so valuable in this field and everything builds on each other too. yes, yes. <laughs> and your personality your clients that's what they're gonna see they're gonna see you the person not everything that you studied they don't know that like they know the person that's in front of them and you need to be yourself that's who they connect with mm-hmm. and personally like I think my clients love me I love my <laughs> clients so I think keeping your individuality being who you are and not thinking that you have to change is so important because people will appreciate that from you ladies thank you so much for joining me today on this inaugural podcast where we learned a lot about communication sciences and disorder I'd like to thank Natalie, Julia, and Maddie for joining me today. Mm -hmm. And thank you for listening. I'm Peter Creighton, and cheers. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.